2: betting landscape from coast to coast this is betting across america on v the sports betting network
3: welcome back this is hour number three of betting across america presented by bet mgm alongside james salinas james final hour for you here doing shows for us in town We're going to make the most of it.
4: Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. It's We're going to make the
3: absolute most of this here, um, as this is the last night for one James Salinas, so you know what that means here in Las Vegas. Uh, If you see James (laughs) out on the strip, make sure to say hello for the folks who are local. Um, But the National League Central, we're talking division odds in the Major League Baseball, focused on the American League in the last segment. Let's talk about the National League, and I think the Central is the most intriguing division of them all here. The Milwaukee Brewers, the favorites right now at minus 155. They're a game back of first place. Behind the St. Louis Cardinals, who at BetMGM right now are plus one fifteen, feels like this is a two-team race, especially when you look yeah. at the odds right now. The Cubs one hundred to one, Pirates two hundred to one,
5: Reds five hundred to one. Who would you favor here between Milwaukee and St. Louis? Uh, just haven't seen the consistency out of the pitching staff for the Brewers. I mean, that's the strength of that team from mm-hmm. not only with their starters but the back end of that bullpen and how it lights out they've been the last couple of seasons. Just, I wonder if, and we just haven't seen it. It's early, so we know there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and maybe some of the some of their starting pitchers, you know, because of the the shortened spring training, maybe they've had to take some more time to to get themselves, you know, more conditioned than they normally would, and it's taken them longer mm-hmm. to get conditioned than they normally would here. But I, I think with the Brewers, you know, the other team that had high expectations and have fallen flat in the playoffs like they did last year, and you, you have these expectations and you don't meet those. Well, who who is it that's going to get you past that? And that's obviously it's going to be the pitching staff. But I, I just wonder, and, and this is just me speculating, but the switch in the National League, no longer having the pitchers in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So you have the DH in both leagues now. And I wonder for a team like the Brewers that really was able to outmaneuver teams in the latter part, of games, sixth inning on, when they're going to be able to get in there and, and utilize bullpens and make other teams have to utilize their players and do double switches, those kind of things, because of pitchers in the lineup no longer being there. I wonder if it's taken some time for counsel on that side on the Brewers' clubhouse to start to change their way of thinking. Because I think the Brewers are really masterful at that late-inning situations because of the pitching spot. And now that that's not there – I think they – I'm not sure – I can't say that's that putting my finger on it, why they mm-hmm. haven't met the expectations but so far this off. season. Something's off. And then you look at the Cardinals. I mean, this team, this this franchise – forget this team. This franchise, just year in and year out, they do what they do. And we saw them last year really – I mean, we saw some young talent. We know they've got Goldie and, and Arenado that mm. basically stole him from the Colorado yeah. Rockies. Uh, so you've got – and and they've both been off to fantastic starts this season uh, for, for the Cardinals, but this is still a franchise that has a high expectation to win. I mean, that's what the, the, this is what this franchise does, and I think that's part of the culture there that the Brewers are trying to create. The Cardinals have already been there and done that as far as establishing mm-hmm. that culture of winning within that organization, I and mean, it's no surprise to me that the Cardinals are doing what they usually do early in the season. Yeah, the Cardinals are
3: one of those teams where I think I'd be a little interested in them from a win the pennant standpoint or maybe even win the World Series. Right now, the win the World Series, the price is 25 to 1. But to win the pennant 14 to 1 for a team that if they win that division there, they know how to play in the playoffs. The nickel and diming and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they grind out these games here to where Maybe they can knock off one of these teams that's a juggernaut out of the the West or the East or something like that. Well, they don't
5: have to outslug you. They do have some speed we know. Exactly. Gold, Goldie and not are, are they're going to be run producers. They will yep. drive the ball, but they're not just Deadpool hitters. So they can spray the ball around the field mm-hmm. as far as their approach at the plate. You do have some speed on the bases out there as well. So it's not just this station to station, let's get two guys on and try to pull the ball over the fence. They can play situational yeah. baseball as well. And I think for a team like the Cardinals, it's you know, the depth of the pitching staff, that's a concern. But you're looking at you look at the other powers within the National League, Dodgers definitely have some issues with their pitching staff right now mm-hmm. due to injury. And it's, it's not like they're, they're just running away with the National League at this point. If you think about it, still a long season to go and the injuries that they're dealing with. Bueller now on the shelf for potentially eight weeks, and who knows if, yeah. he, if and when he does come back. We, we just saw Kershaw just come off the injured list, and he's got a lot of miles within that elbow and that shoulder as well. So it's not a clear cut. And really, we saw that competitive playoff game last year with the Cardinals. I mean, this is a team that, that they play hungry. And I, that's what I, f- I feel like for them. They grind out at bats. They'll grind out innings and situations. They can find more ways to score than just the long ball. Right now,
3: the Mets are the minus 300 favorite to win the East. The Dodgers, are the minus 200 favorite to win the West. So I want to almost frame this question to you as such. The Braves, the defending World Series champions, plus 275. The Padres currently in first place, I believe. Actually, no, they just dropped back yeah. now after two-game uh, losing streak here. So they're a half game behind the Dodgers. But of those plus money prices who are behind the leaders there, being the Braves and the Padres, the market is telling us San Diego is the one that's more likely to win right. their respective division. But where would you put your money given those prices? Plus two seventy-five on Atlanta, plus two twenty on San
5: Diego. I think they're probably the two twenty. Obviously, it's shorter, but just thinking about the the state of the Dodgers now, the lineup's great. We know the Dodgers are going to score runs, but mm-hmm. big concerns with that pitching staff right now for me to be able to sustain through the season and. And with the Padres trying to avoid being swept in Colorado, here we go—situational baseball again. But you know, it's—I'm—I I, have concerns. We we've seen the Mets and all the talent that they have, but we, you know, there's big concerns for me for New York and there's the state of their starting pitching staff. We know yeah. Scherzer and Degrom. We really have not haven't seen Degrom really at all. No, and they're neither of them are going to come back potentially until after the All-Star break. Do they come back fully healthy? How long does it take them to round in the And form? I mean, Maybe that's a blessing. Maybe it's something where they didn't have to eat a lot of innings the first half of the season and then get a few starts in come end of July, into August. And now you've got kind of fresh arms for Scherzer and DeGrom to come out. That's the best one-two punch in all of baseball. But you got to be healthy. And now I think Miguel just went on the DL. He's going to be on for probably another, at least through post-All-Star break as well. So mm. just concerns with that Mets pitching staff and a team like like the Braves, I mean, that that's a team It's all or nothing for them. No shame in striking out for those guys. They lead the majors in strikeouts, but they could care less. They've been there. They've won it. They've done it. And and we heard talk in the offseason about Freddie Freeman and being gone and a great player and longtime franchise fan favorite there in Atlanta, but uh, maybe not as well-liked within that clubhouse as it was, like he was outside of the clubhouse. Mm. Um, we've seen a slow start from Atlanta, but they have really gotten hot the last couple of weeks. A team that's been there and done that, like Atlanta, um, they're not—they know they're not going to be worried because those expectations were not there. It was all on the Mets side. Yeah, yeah, and the Mets are going to get a
3: lot of the attention. And in the, in the Queens right now, fans are happy. And if they're able to tread water like this with their two aces not playing in Degrom and Scherzer, um, imagine what it could be like if those guys can get healthy there for the stretch run coming up into these summer months here. Skipping over to the NHL here while we have a little bit of time left in this segment. The Colorado Avalanche, Tampa Bay Lightning, game three tomorrow night there. Backs against the wall for the Bolts here. Minus 110 each way on the money line. The total sitting at six. Juice to the under at minus 120. Um, Do you think that Tampa Bay can make this a series? Or maybe Colorado starts to not really slam the door shut, but start to slam the door a little bit close?
5: Well, I think for Tampa, the mindset, they're not going to be rattled. This is the, – they've won t- – they're the champions. Two-time champions coming into this series. But it's one thing from the mindset to come in. I don't think they're going to panic. But from the mm-hmm. physical nature of what we've seen out there on the ice, I mean, clearly the Abs are by far the faster team. That's obvious. But the more confident team right now, that momentum – and I, I'm – I, I'm a believer in momentum when it comes to most sports. Maybe baseball, your momentum's as good as as today's starting pitcher, <laughs> yeah. right? But in but in hockey, I mean, we've seen it. We saw the 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 tri- the, the adjustments or potential try the adjustments tried to be made by the Lightning yesterday. I mean, not so mm-hmm. much that the backs were against the wall, but that to me that was a game they had to have, and just to get. Game one out of their system, what is game two going to look like? And the, the the way that they just got completely run off the ice, in a sense, I don't know where they're the, – the mindset I don't think is going to panic for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but mm-hmm. I don't know what adjustments else, – what, what else they can do to adjust – the the speed of the avalanche unless they start to uh, uh, maybe raise the temperature within the arena there in Tampa and maybe slush up the ice a little bit. I don't know what other (laughs) adjustments they can do (laughs) (laughs) uh, physically out on the ice. right They're not going to get faster. You've got to figure out a way to slow them down. I don't know what they're going to be able to do when it's in Mm five-on-five situations.
3: So would you play into this market here? Because I know a lot of folks are probably going to play the desperate Tampa angle. You're going to hear that all throughout – the analysis today and then leading up tomorrow night with puck dropping at five o'clock west coast time eight o'clock over at the amelie arena in tampa i don't know if the desperate thing like you mentioned because there's not an adjustment and you can want something as badly as anybody has ever wanted something but if the matchup just is not in your
5: favor it's not gonna matter well, and the Avs look hungry too. So this isn't a team that's yeah. just happy to be there, right? <laughs> yeah. They've been trying to get there. It's been 20 years, basically. Yeah, might be been overdue. Co- <laughs> like, like that's yeah. Gonna- but and they're not a team that that they look just as hungry, mm-hmm. if not hungrier. These for, definitely last night. I mean, this was a team that played fully confident they saw in game one. We are the faster team out here. Mm-hmm. And coach John Cooper talked about that after game one, didn't make excuses for his players in any sense. He said the better team won tonight. Speaking back to game one, refocus their mindset, make some adjustments, some tweaks defensively, what they're going to do to negate potentially some of that speed for the abs. None of that worked out, put themselves in bad position. They were in the box. Seemed like all night, nice, especially in the first period I'm not. I mean, even though I've already got positions on that, so I'm not Mm going to try to – I'm not going to get any more. I'm not going to get even deeper, right? There's even – get even deeper. Not going to get even deeper here. But even if I didn't have a position on Tampa Bay and my series prices, I wouldn't have much confidence to say, yeah, this is the spot where they're going to come back. This is not the New York Rangers they're facing.
3: Yeah, right now they're plus 450 on the series price to win the Stanley Cup final here. But to beat Colorado four out of five – Not sure it's happening in 2022. We'll ask these questions to Ian Cameron, NHL handicapper, next here on Betting Across America.
2: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall.
4: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year.
2: This is betting across America on v the sports betting network.
3: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odd specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love a BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. So visit BetMGM for terms and conditions must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back. This is betting across America presented by bet. MGM family, bebefe hanging out with James Salinas here at the South point hotel and casino. We're talking a little Stanley cup final game three in the last segment. And to help us preview tomorrow night's game between the avalanche and the lightning, we bring in Ian Cameron, NHL handicapper here on betting across America Ian, uh, it almost seems silly to ask this because based on what we saw last night, but, Is it panic time for the Tampa Bay Lightning?
1: Well, it's not panic time, but it's definitely time to be concerned uh, and time to really try to dig into what's going wrong for us right now and how do we fix it. I think that's really where we're at right now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, we did see in the Eastern Conference Final against the New York Rangers that they lost the first two games at home, or on the road, rather. They came back home, and they won Game 3, and they won Game 4, and they got right back into the series. They ended up winning the series, but I think we can all agree the New York Rangers are not the Colorado Avalanche from a <laughs> speed perspective, from a skill perspective, from a depth standpoint. And they're all ultimately, their team speed is just absolutely incredible, and I think the biggest factor in the success of Colorado in Game One and in Game Two is that they are their speed, and it's not just skating speed. A lot of people just think speed means the way the way you skate. No, it's the way you move the puck. It's the way you think the game. You know, you're moving the puck and you're making faster decisions than the, what the defense and the other team can react to. And you're seeing that right now with the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, their puck movement is opening up seams, it's opening up passing lanes, it's opening up shooting lanes against this Lightning team, and they're getting the puck to the net, and the defense is just on their heels, and they cannot react fast enough. Colorado's just playing at a different speed. Moving the puck, Tampa can't keep up, Tampa can't win foot race situations for loose puck battles. All the one-on-one battles seem to have gone to Colorado, and especially, obviously, in the 7-0 blanking uh, in Game 2 last night. And I don't know if a change of venue is going to change that. Now, John Cooper is going to have last line change. That'll help. Getting an emotional boost and an emotional lift from the home fans is going to help. But changing venues and traveling from Denver to Tampa and playing in a different arena is not going to change the fact you're not as fast speed-wise, skating-wise, decision-making-wise, and basically puck movement-wise compared to the Colorado Avalanche. That's what's going to have to change. And And I'm not sure merely changing venues is going to do a whole lot for that.
5: So Ian aside from the venue change unless they uh, up the temperature inside that arena down in Tampa <laughs> and maybe slush up the ice a little bit to slow down that speed of the avalanche I'm wondering what what kind of adjustments based on you look at the roster here for for John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning are there adjustments to be made that they have not made or are they just going to continually be a half a skate or a skate slow in a sense where they, we saw it yesterday, right away, two minutes into the game, put themselves in the box. What adjustments can be made to slow down this team?
1: I think they've got to get a tighter gap in the neutral zone uh, right now to Colorado. Not that they have not been playing that way, because I think they've tried to play with good defensive structure But I think we're at the point now where if we're Tampa Bay, we might have to go full on trap, you know, and they have not quite played that way. They haven't played that way at all through the playoffs because they still want to allow their creative players and their best players offensively to flow and be able to move the puck and transition without fear of a turnover. You know, it's a situation where I think if you're Tampa Bay, though, you've really got to do a great job clogging up the neutral zone, making that area of the ice, the middle of the ice, a quagmire. You know, making it quick stand for Colorado to get through. And the way you do that is got to line three forwards and two defensemen up to the blue line, I think, is, or in the neutral zone as much as possible. Stand Colorado up and try to make this a chip-and-chase type of game. Force them to have to chip-and-chase because, look, make them prove that they can play that way and make them prove that they can win playing that way. Because as far as I'm concerned, just letting Colorado free wheel through the neutral zone with that and generate that speed and that puck movement that they have for a team that doesn't hesitate to have both defensemen involved in the play and in the rush every single time they have the puck, it's clearly not working for Tampa. I think you got to line them up in the neutral zone, force them to have to chip the puck into the zone, maybe go to a more of a four-check cycle the puck in the offensive zone kind of game. You've got to try it because this is clearly one opponent where Tampa Bay's way of going about it, you know, for the entire playoffs and for many years is not working. They don't want to be the New Jersey Devils of the 90s. I'm sure John Cooper doesn't feel great about having to ask these guys, hey, we got to play New Jersey Devils, 90s trap hockey, but this might be your only shot right now against this Colorado team.
3: We're speaking with Ian Cameron, NHL handicapper. So when you talk about that, mucking it up and making it a quagmire there I almost think that maybe Tampa once again like we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals can Tampa Bay winning was correlated directly with the under is that a situation you see here now with this series as well because we've seen games one and two go over there with seven goals apiece all seven of them coming on Colorado's side last night but would you then say going forward here that Tampa the total right now for game three at six is correlated with the under
1: there's no question about that. I've actually said that uh, about this series repeatedly that uh, I think if Colorado's going to win games, the, the game will go over the total. And if Tampa Bay's going to win games in this series, it's going to have to be lower scoring and the games will stay under. I'll put it this way if you look back at Tampa Bay, every win they've had in the Stanley Cup playoffs since Game 7 against Toronto in the first round, including that Game 7 against Toronto, every Tampa Bay win in the playoffs has also stayed under the total. So it's perfect uh, to what you just said. It says uh, sums it up perfectly that if Tampa Bay is going to win games in this series, just like they've done for most of the playoffs, it's going to have to be uh, a lower scoring game. And you know the thing is with the Lightning is they try to trap. Not they didn't try to really play a trap style against the Rangers, but their own structure that they normally play defensively was good enough against the Rangers. It's clearly shown it's not good enough against Colorado. And there's no telling that the trap will work against Colorado. Maybe they've got, you know, maybe they're a capable chip and chase four check team. We can retrieve the puck. We can outwork you in the offensive zone, muscle you, win puck battles, still get pucks to the net, still be able to get our offense going. Maybe they they can solve that riddle if Tampa Bay throws it at them. But you've at least, I think, got to try to slow it down if you're Tampa Bay and unfortunately playing some sort of 1-3-1, one, one, some sort of trap style a defensive hockey is the way it's going to have to be for them again they never play this way tampa bay never under john cooper but these are extreme measures right now because you're in dire straits at the moment
5: so ian from that perspective going into game three tomorrow night basically it's a pick 'em 110 each way for the avalanche or the lightning to win this game you're talking about some of the adjustments they can make defensively here what does that mean for, for the discipline on this side for the, for the Lightning? We talked about it, putting themselves in the box right away. Mm-hmm. They had 28 penalty minutes. It got ugly in the third period. We know that between both the teams. But a lot of penalties called on the Lightning in the first two periods. Are they going to be able to control themselves and exercise some discipline to give themselves a chance to win in game three?
1: Well, they simply have to. I mean, because you just can't give Colorado power plays, and we saw that again on full display uh, last night. And special teams dominated by Colorado. They even had a shorthanded goal uh, from Kale McCarr early in the uh, third period. So it was just an absolute uh, disastrous night with special teams. And it's got to start. You're right with staying out of the penalty box. Uh, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, we'll see if they can do that. You know, as far as tomorrow night's game from a betting standpoint. You know, I think if you like Tampa Bay, and I gotta believe, at least in the first period, they've got to come out strong. You know, back against the wall mentality, back in the home ice, down 2 nothing in this series. You know, I really do think you know a first period look toward Tampa Bay on the money line might be worth a look here. But the bet that I really like because I'm 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 really really stunned that the uh, Colorado Avalanche I saw their team total at a lot of books two and a half. It is about minus one thirty five to minus one forty five in most spots. But the team total for Colorado is only two and a half. And like I said to you guys a second ago, I'm not just sold on the fact that Tampa Bay just going back on home ice is going to allow them to fully defend and shut down this Colorado team. And all Colorado needs to do is score three goals to cash that team total over. Let's not forget this is an avalanche team that's undefeated, guys. 7-0 and on the road mm-hmm. here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Two games against Nashville they won on the road, both games against Edmonton, and all three against St. Louis. In the second round, they've been a good road team. They've scored three goals or more in every road game during the Stanley Cup playoffs, Colorado. Uh, I think they could get to three goals tomorrow night in spite of the fact it's a desperate situation for Tampa. You'd expect their best effort. I'm just not sure their best is enough Bet I really like is Colorado team total over two and a half for game three.
3: Ian, we've got about 20 seconds left. Who wins tomorrow night? Who wins the series and in how many games?
1: Wow, tomorrow night because you gotta expect Tampa's best. I'm not sure it's good enough. Um, I'm gonna say Colorado wins tomorrow. Tampa wins in Game Four to avoid the sweep, and Colorado wraps it up in five. That's what I'll go with.
3: He is Ian Cameron, NHL handicapper. Ian, we appreciate you excellent analysis as always, and all the best going forward.
1: Thanks, guys. Enjoy your Sunday.
3: We talked about that Colorado in five plus two twenty-five over at BetMGM. Is that,
5: the, is that what they call that gentleman's, gentleman's sweep? Not, sweep. I, I don't understand that. I don't know what it is. You won in five games. You won the title. Who cares about that? Nothing gentlemanly about it. On the other
3: side, we go back to the United States Open, where things are getting tight atop the leaderboard.
2: BetMGM. This is Betting Across America on v the sports betting network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VSon is here to make you a smarter, better year-round, so check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Welcome back. This is betting across America presented by bet. MGM family, alongside James Salinas here on this father's day. Happy father's day to all the dads out there. Um, Hopefully we can get some money for these dads here on a father's day right now with the United States open there at the country club in Brookline, Massachusetts. We said that the leaderboard is tightening up a little bit. One Rory McIlroy, who won at the RBC Canadian last weekend in Toronto has birdied hole number one, so Rory now two under, two back for the championship, and his odds over at BetMGM have shrunk from ten to
5: one to now plus five fifty. Wow, missed that number on just one on hole number one. It hole cut number in one. half. Yeah, we had, that was we had talked about that as far as ten to one, and I looked at it overnight. Obviously, I did not get involved with. Anybody as of yet, and I'll probably look to do something as the day progresses with some live action. But it's interesting, one hole and all of a sudden your, your odds are cut in half. I think that just speaks to the pedigree of, of Rory McElroy on these last rounds and the history that we've seen. Now, obviously, there's other guys that have history out here, too. Mm-hmm. Pretty stacked leaderboard here from that standpoint, as far as experience goes, of winning it outside of the two that are at the very top.
3: Yeah, that's a very stacked leaderboard here right now. Rory now two back. Uh, Will Zalatoris, Matt Fitzpatrick, that's the final pairing. They're going to tee off in 15 minutes. In about three minutes, it'll be John Rahm, the defending United States Open champion there at three under. Keegan Bradley, the hometown guy, the Boston guy, he's the the sentimental favorite for the gallery out there, as they call it in golf. The gallery, not the the fans, it's the the gallery. Um, He's two under right now for the tournament, so Keegan Bradley trying to be the hometown hero out there in Boston from the odds perspective, Matt Fitzpatrick, Will Zalatoris, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler over at BetMGM, all of them four to one there. So it's pick your poison at the top of the odds board here for the U.S. Open. But we'll be keeping our eyes on that as these final pairings are about to tee off, starting with Rom and Bradley in two minutes, and then Zalatoris Fitzpatrick in about 10-ish minutes. And then the entire field will be on the course here, for the final round of the U.S. Open, the 122nd edition there of our national championship. Um, Wanted to do some more NFL news and notes with you, James, here while we have you. And this was an interesting one out of Dallas. It's always interesting in Big D. They're the America's team. The Cowboys, they're never talked about ever, you know. Such <laughs> the fan, man. <family>. <laughs> this, this franchise tends to fly under the radar, uh, as we have seen in history in the past. But Mike McCarthy, the head coach there, now in year three with this Dallas Cowboys organization, said that quarterback Dak Prescott, they want to encourage him to run a little bit more, and they'll be utilizing his legs more in the offense this season now last year Dak was coming back off of the fractured ankle injury that he suffered in 2020 then he had the calf injury as well midway through the season that never really seemed right after that calf injury but what do you make of this Dak Prescott maybe being on the move a little bit more here for this Dallas Cowboys offense
5: well we're going to see a different passing game from the Dallas Cowboys some movement up Mm -hmm. front little a few changes on the offensive line but more so Mari Cooper now gone he's in Cleveland and when will we actually see Gallup back out on the field if we see him at all in 2020? I I, I just I, I can't imagine he's going to be out there just considering how late he had that knee surgery. And even if we do, if, even if and when he does come back, I mean, he needs the full wheel. He needs his wheels healthy to get out there the way that mm-hmm. he, you know, he utilizes speed. Even if he does get back, it's going to be the latter part of the season. I cannot see him play in the first half of the season because he didn't have surgery until, I think, in February. Yeah. So that's a quick turnaround for somebody that needs his wheels. This is not Joe Burrow using his arm with a bad wheel. Um, and I think for C.D. Lamb now having to step up. You were the third receiver in a sense. A lot of slot receiver. Now, where are, you, are they going to move you around? Be more outside. You're going to be the go-to guy here, and they're going to need to rely on the running game more so than what they did last year. We, we've definitely seen a change in identity of the offense over the last couple of years. This is not the the feed me Ezekiel Elliott that mm-hmm. we're used to seeing with the big, uh, the big powerhouse offensive line a handful of years back when they were making some playoff runs where mm-hmm. they were just pounding on teams. That's not the sense of this identity of this team. Maybe they're trying to revert back to that, not only because of the change at the wide receiver position, but... I think with Prescott, I don't know. that If you're talking about Prescott needing to run more, maybe that's more just RPOs, maybe some more option, some read options, but not him as keeping it. It's more so just putting some more pressure on the defense from yeah. that standpoint, That the threat that he might run. You don't want to run Prescott. The, the injuries that you mentioned, I mean, those things start to, I don't, they add up, and you're never fully the same player you were health-wise when you've had some of the devastating injuries like he's had. We talk about his ankle a couple of years back.
3: You know, it's interesting about Dallas because I'm a fan of the team. I I love the Dallas Cowboys. I've been a fan ever since I was about five years old. And – I've been a little pessimistic about them heading into this season just because I thought that they – I don't know if they've gotten worse. They just haven't gotten better. And I bet the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. bet them to win the NFC as well just because I think the Eagles uh, have a better roster now as we sit here in June at 19th. Now, the Cowboys have the better quarterback, so I believe they should be favored to win the division. But the Eagles roster and the schedule I think sets up pretty well for them to make a run at it and have a pretty good regular season record. But I think from a division odds standpoint – There has to be an eventual buy spot for Dallas because I've seen some books to where it's almost like a co-favorite situation to where it's Dallas plus 130 Philadelphia plus 150 for you. What would be a buy because I know you have three to one on the Eagles to win the East there. You got that before free agency and the, the draft and all the Eagles hype started to really build up. What would your number be for Dallas to maybe get in on this Cowboys team? Or are you all the way out on Dallas in 2022?
5: Yeah, I think you you mentioned the America's team, right? And mm-hmm. and the fact that they tout themselves as that, but they become a target each and every year. Oh, yeah. You're not having – teams are not having letdowns when they face the Dallas Cowboys. Nope. Whether they're on the road or coming in to Texas Stadium or whatever the hell it's called yeah, AT&T they, that, now, AT&T Stadium now, it's now whatever, corporate, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, the corporate stadium <laughs> that it is. But 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 there, that game is circled. Whether it's in the division or not, mm-hmm. teams come fired up, ready to play the Dallas Cowboys. There's a certain grudge that that and stigma that that carries when you are anointing yourself jerry jones for sure as the america team but they were called that prior to jerry jones taking over ownership of that team back what three decades ago now mm-hmm. plus but i think i think for dallas the expectations are always high they're self-inflicted in a sense um but this is a team that has some holes we saw that defensively and micah parsons was awesome last year tremendous talent he was, yeah, he's only going to get better right but there, there's still a lot of issues in that secondary in my mind for that team and and it's just not a – this is not a – to me, it's not a Super Bowl roster. It's a, mm-hmm. a makeshift potential playoff roster. And the only thing that gives them some, in my mind, an out is because it's a two-team race. The Giants still have – now you had turnover again with the coaching staff. Yep. So a whole new system's coming in to take these new coaches time to get to know their players. And Not that Dable won't be able to do that, but initially it takes a while to do that. Daniel Jones – What are they going to do with him going forward? This is put up or shut up time for him. Mm -hmm. Washington, a lot of things swirling around that team off the field, Ron Rivera having them bang each other too much got fined during <laughs> practice, too physical. He's old school guy, yeah, right? Yeah, Dallas um, got fined as well. It too. Like maybe it was just a yeah. little dust up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Del Rio thought it was a dust up. But, but I think. Well played. Uh, I, but I, I just think it's, it's just a two team race here. And I really liked what I saw out of Philadelphia last year the change mm-hmm. in mid season for that team to say, and for a new coach coming in there, Sirianni, to recognize that, hey, I'm number one, he's not an old guy, right? So he's not set in his ways in a sense, where he said the first week or the first half of the season, we need to make some changes. It can't be Jalen Hurts dropping back 35, 40, 45 times a game to throw the football. We have a tremendous offensive line. They're very physical. We have great leadership in the trenches on both sides of the football. We have Mm -hmm. a very deep backfield to run the ball. Let's change our identity mid-season to found the football, and they did. That second half of the season found great success running the football over roughly 200 yards per game rushing the ball. Teams are not built yeah. to stop the run anymore. And now, now we know what the identity of the Eagles is going to be that I suspect it will be based on the second half of last year coming into this coming season. We're talking about changes with the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to have Dak Prescott running more. I don't know what the offensive identity is going to be for the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys coming into this year because that has definitely changed over the course of the last, what, four or five years.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, to me, it's, it's – I, I don't know where it's going to happen to the passing game. That's my top concern level right now because of the – you mentioned Michael Gallup. We don't know when he's going to come back right. here. Amari Cooper's in Cleveland there. It's, uh, C.D. Lamb says he's ready to be the number one wide receiver. So, hey, C.D. Lamb. Now's the time because that's you're going to be the guy that all the teams have on the top of the scouting report there. Dalton Schultz as well. There, the tight end who has under the franchise tag right now. They're still working on getting a long-term deal for him done. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, fascinating offseason for this NFC East. It feels like a lot of people are cooler on Dallas now. Maybe not the general public, but the betting market definitely yeah. is hot on the Eagles. James, you'll be taking off here for this final segment. So... Good luck the rest of the way here. You're Go to your son's baseball game. Have fun with that and enjoy the rest of your time out here in Las Vegas.
5: Yeah, Thank you, sir. It was great to be here with you today and meet Always, you in yes. person as well as our producers here. Thank you guys for your hospitality Always. and, and, and the, the, the welcoming nature of coming in. It's a great atmosphere to be live.
0: We take care of our own here at Visa.
3: win with the king of sportsbooks. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs on any Major League Baseball game. And if all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back and free bets up to $25. Log into your account or download the app and sign up with the BetMGM to take advantage of this offer all season long. Just opt into the one-game parlay insurance promotion, then place a one-game parlay wager with four legs or more on any Major League Baseball game. If you miss only one leg on your wager, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Major League Baseball trademarks are used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada, New York, or Washington, D.C. Welcome back. This is the final segment of betting across America presented by BetMGM. MGM. Femi Bebefe hanging out here at the South Point hotel and casino was hanging out with James Salinas all morning long out here on the West coast. James had an obligation. He had to run to his son playing in a baseball tournament. So we take care of our own here on BAA and at VEASAN. So James, we wish him all the best of luck. It was awesome having him in studio, but because it's 1146, you know what that means. It is time for a little Ross talk. Me and Dave Ross going one on one. Here on a US Open final round Sunday over at oh. Brookline Mass. Dave Ross, Visa, host of the First Strike Podcast. Dave, all right, here's my situation. Uh Bring I, it. I, I am a Will Zalatoris outright holder. I also have a Rom oh, and boy. a Burns, all three of those guys in contention. But this goddamn <sighs> Scotty Scheffler, I tell you. What, man. <laughs> He doesn't go away, does he? I think I'm cooked. The way that he birdies hole number one and hole number two, now the favorite over at BetMGM.
6: I'll let you take yep. it away. Well, Femi, it's, it's a great intro, by the way. I love it because, you know, Scotty Stafford is such an intriguing guy. We know he's the number one player in the world. We know he's won four times on tour. We know he just won the Masters. And yet... For whatever reason, Femi, it feels like the optics don't match the results if if you're picking up what I'm putting Mm -hmm. down. like You watch Rory, and you go, my God, the talent oozes out of the guy. You look at Justin Thomas, who won the PGA Championship, and you go, yeah, I get it, right? Even Willie Z, you watch the ball striking, and you go, yeah, I can see why we consider him next. Even Sam Burns, Mm -hmm. a guy like that. Scotty, it's, it's a weird thing to quantify, but we cannot deny the talent, and yesterday... When he holed out for Eagle to get to six under par, I think we all thought, oh, man, this thing's done. We're Mm -hmm. all cooked. If he didn't have a Scotty Scheffler ticket, right? And then he has one of the worst back nines that you're ever going to see Scotty Scheffler have, and he goes from six under par to one under. He plays it in five over, Femi. And you go, all right, well, Scotty Scheffler's out. And then just like the Undertaker, Jeff, Here comes Scotty Scheffler, right back from the dead, (laughs) and he's right there tied for the lead through two holes. Look, I got to be honest with you, Femi, and I tweeted this out this morning. You you and I certainly remember well what happened at the PGA, where the top four Mm -hmm. guys on the board coming into the final round on Sunday not only had not won a major, they hadn't won in the PGA Tour. And the same could be said with our two outright leaders overnight. Yes, we believe these guys are ready, but are you ready to win your first time ever at a United States Open, it's a tough thing to do. So to me, I took a flyer this morning on a Deke Matsuyama, at two over par, six off the lead to begin the day, because Justin Thomas was seven off of the lead at the PGA and came back and won. And I got it at 250 to one. So just a flyer bet. Yep. But the reason why I did something like that, I want to find a pedigreed player who's already won a major, who knows, man, I got I don't play for top tens. I play to win. So find me a guy that might be able to go super low on a super hard golf course with wind and conditions up today and maybe put it, you know, post a number and scare those guys. That's what JT did to Mito Pereira. And it worked out as he backdoored his way into a playoff and then won in the instead playoff, ironically, with Willie Z there, too. So, you know, it's just to me, it's really hard for first time players to win for the first time at a major championship and not just any major, but maybe the hardest of the four each and every year. And by scoring average, it is. So look, I'm rooting for those guys. I I, I did not back Willie Z and I backed him a lot this year. So go with God for those backers of (laughs) Willie Z, but it's going to be a long day is all I'm going to say.
3: Yeah, no, it's setting up to be a really long day and a really exciting day. Our bets aside, uh, there's a lot of pedigree near the top of the leaderboards to make for a fun yeah. final 18 here. But we had Steven Hennessy on earlier in the show from Golf Digest, and he thinks that a 66 is out there on the course for somebody to get. We saw uh, Wido Migliozzi get a 66 here, but he was way far back, so no pressure. Of these guys that are sitting here, that one under – a score or better, which we thought was kind of the line of demarcation. If one of those guys can put us to 66, oh. they might win this thing here. I mean, what do you
6: think the final score ends up being by day's end? It's a great question. Femi. mean, I think it's a great way to handicap it, right? Who from the, from the chasers. And I look at Sam Burns, Rory McIlroy and that dynamic duo and say, I feel like the chasers are going to come from that group there who could go low, post a number, be ahead of the leaders. The leaders know all. Oh, Rory McIlroy's in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. and he posted four under, three under for the day, 67s. You know, that's what I think you're kind of looking at here. And I think it's very gettable for, for some of the elite players. But you can also see just watching how wayward it can go. Case in point, Patrick Cantlay came out early today, birdied one, birdie two. Okay, from, a, from deep in the pack, and you think, oh, man, here we go. And then all of a sudden, he bogeys four and doubles five. So, like, it can, <laughs> it, your margin of error for the chasers is minuscule. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do think and Carl Paulson had him on, uh, of course, before the tournament started and during the show, Femi, he said, you know, I think an eight under is gettable. And then he texted me right after the show was over on betting on uh, the Lombardi line, rather. And he said, forget that. Just walk the back nine. And on Sunday, three, three under might be the winning score. And I do think even if the leaders shoot one over today, they might be right there. I don't see anybody jumping out to a five, six under and running away with this thing. Yeah, maybe Scotty Scheffler has that type of day in him. But I just think there's too many hiccups. There's too many red flags uh, on this golf course to say, yeah, somebody's going to have a clean card, shoot a 65 on Sunday, and post a 5-6 under. Hard to do. And I know you look down and you go, Willie Z's at 4-under. He could easily shoot 1-under. Yeah, he could. Just as easily could shoot 2-over. So I just think that's how tough the golf course plays as Willie Z uh, finds trouble here as I'm watching now. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the point, Femi. It's going to be really hard to go out there and shoot a 65, but it's easier to do, I believe, from a chasing position versus a leading position. So I think the winning number is going to be right around three or four at the end of the day. So the point there is, if you're there towards the top, just make pars. You spin on a birdie, uh, maybe on number eight, which is an easy, par f- easy, easy, par five. <laughs> we saw how hard it played yesterday with Xander Schaafway, and the ball kept coming back to him. But for the leaders, patience has got to be the theme on this Father's Day here. Just bide your time like a good dad does sometimes, bite your <laughs> tongue, don't say anything back to the wife, and just get on with your day. I think that's the message for these golfers out there on a day it's going to be a plodding golf course at the United States Open.
3: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping that John Rahm or Willie Z can pull this up. I'm, I think the sentimental pick for me is Willie Z. Um, I have outrights on yeah. both of them, but if I had to pick one of them, I would pick Willie Z because he is so close to winning a PGA Tour event or even a major. I mean, we saw the playoff, yeah, like you he- mentioned earlier, in the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. we got two and a half minutes left here. Dave,
6: who do you think wins this thing, man? You know, we had Rex Tigerdon on yesterday from the golf channel, and his pick then was John Rom. And with with no dog in the fight here, I would back Rahmer. And th- the only thing that, that bothers me a little bit about it, I just talked about temperament and mm-hmm. patience. Yeah. Right? Rommer he can run hot. Yes. And he knows he's there, one off the lead. And sometimes you can see it, Femi. These guys get so pissed off because they're like, why did I do that? Right? That they <laughs> sometimes it takes them a hole or two to kind of curtail it. And get it back, right? So Willie Z has a nice temperament. That's one thing I've enjoyed about him. Fitzpatrick can run a little hot, the Englishman here too. Mm-hmm. But he's got that bulldog in him as well. But if you made me make a pick today, I would take John Rahm. And I look at the number now, about plus 450. Maybe get a five to one out there in the live number. But to me, that's the horse that I would back here as the defending U.S. Open champion. Clearly knows how to win this. Knows that the guys in front of him haven't yet. Yeah. I would have to back Rahm at that short number if you made me. Yeah, this thing could be coming down to a Rom or Scheffler finish
3: here, which, I mean, if you're the USGA, that's exactly what you want. There, If oh, you're man. NBC, the networks, that's what you want. Uh, the Woo. playoff, no longer a Monday 18-hole playoff if we get one, two-hole aggregate and then sudden death after that here. So – Good chance, barring any sort of suspension due to darkness, we finish things up today here with the U.S. Open. He is Dave Ross, VEASAN host, host of the First Strike Podcast. We'll be with Wes Reynolds at the top Mm -hmm. of the hour. I'm sure talking plenty
6: about what's going Uh, on over there at Brookline, Mass. And Femi, in the final seconds here, just remember, kids, Tiger Woods will be teeing it up at the British Open next month at St. Andrews. I'm just saying, look at those numbers now, Mm -hmm. because they're probably as good as you're going to get, and I would not discount LT Tigre.
3: Yeah, no, my, I think my Tiger to make the cut play, I'm getting priced out of that. Got won it for both the Masters and the PGA championship. Probably gonna be laying at least two fifty for him to make the cut Whoa. there at the British Open. Uh is Dave Ross. Dave, have a great show. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks, You Always enjoy the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Got about 30 seconds left here on the show to wrap things up here. Uh, we see our final pairing at the U.S. Open, Matt Fitzpatrick and Will Zalatoris on the first green. It should be a fun day here with the U.S. Open final round over there at the Country Club. Thank you to all our guests today, Derek Carty, Stephen Hennessy, Ian Cameron, and, of course, Dave Ross. Coming up next, betting across America at Circa, the Ross-Reynolds connection here on and V.
2: Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. On Sunday, you can place a $25 one-game parlay on any major league baseball game and you'll receive a $10 free bet that you can use on any sport regardless of your bet's outcome. Your
0: bet's outcome. Your bet's outcome. your outcome. Your bet's outcome.